0: Do not believe that you need to go out there as a missionary before you can win souls to Christ. No. Your actions within the community matters a lot. Your actions in your place of work matters a lot. Your actions with the person on the street matters a lot. As a Christian, what is your commitment to missions in the church? I tell you that these missionaries do not find it easy. They responded to the call of going out there to propagate the word of the law. It is our responsibility to take actions back home. I want us to believe that we are holding on to the rope, the rope of that great commission. Hello and welcome to the FBC Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is entitled "The Great Commission" by Ezekiel Babagario, and was based on Matthew 28:16 through 20. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Uh, while back home, we had, during my military days, uh, while I was in the military academy, we had an instructor who came from Texas. And you know, the belief that we have, back, we have back in Africa is that all of you in America speak the same accent. And so this fellow came from Texas, and he was introduced by our commanding officer, and then we thought we we're going to hear him speak like an American. And then we heard him speaking in a different accent. So we all wondered, is he from America or from another country? Well, it is the same thing that you're going to hear today. You're fond of hearing people that, are, that speak in your own accent that you understand clearly. But this morning, you're going to hear from a different accent. And he told us something, that if I pronounce a word that you don't understand, raise your hand and that is what is going to happen today. When I pronounce a word that you have difficulty understanding, when you raise your hand, I will understand and I will repeat that word again. Where we're at today, our scripture reading in Matthew 28, from verse 16 through 20, gave us an account of an encounter between Jesus Christ and his disciples and the other Christians as well. It is a tradition that when officers and soldiers graduate from their military training, they are commissioned to go out there and serve as officers and soldiers of the armed forces of that particular country. And listen, anytime an officer or a soldier is commissioned, that commission comes from the commander-in-chief that is the president of that particular country. And that commission does not just come like that. You are given something, we, in my country we call it your commission parchment. I actually don't know what the officers are given here in this country, but we are given a commission parchment. That commission parchment has the seal of the president on it. Today, of all my medals that I brag of, the most important thing that I love about my military career is that commissioned parchment that has the seal of the Commander-in-Chief of my country on it. Because that parchment gave me authority at any given time that I wore the military uniform. Whatever I do, I represent my Commander-in-Chief. I represent my country. My loyalty is to my Commander-in-Chief. My loyalty is to my country. One time, while we were in combat, my, comm- my uh, commanding officer, I was in his office, and so I heard him having a conversation over the phone, and uh, he was just shouting, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, things should be all right, sir, yes, sir, and when he dropped the phone, and then he said, okay, we have a new task, and I said, what is the task, sir, and he said, we we'll have been giving orders to go out there and clear some pockets of enemies, and I said, okay, he said, okay, guys, let's go out there and rock and roll. <laughs> Jesus' encounter with his disciple. this brought to mind my encounter with my commanding officer when he said, let's go out there and rock and roll. My commander had confidence in us. My commander expected our royalty. Our commander trusted our ability to go out there and rock and roll. Before now, in this Matthew 28, where we read, from verse 27, we have an account when Jesus was crucified. Jesus was betrayed, crucified, and he was buried. His disciples were disturbed. And some of the Jews were not even sure, is this truly the Messiah? Because their thought was, when they said Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the Jews expected that the Messiah will come. And when the Messiah arrives, he will be the one that will take care of the problem that they were encountering with the Roman oppressors at that particular moment. However, when Jesus came, we're given an account that Jesus died. And that confused those Disciples and some of the Jews who initially trusted that they had a Messiah who is here to help them from the Roman oppressors. Some of the Jews probably laughed at them and said, Hey, you said you have a Messiah. Now the Messiah is dead and was buried. And where is the Messiah now? Who will liberate us? That actually became a problem. But towards the end, in Matthew 28... We now had an account, an encounter between Jesus and the disciples. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And they had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus told them, go tell my friends, let's meet at at Galilee. And when they got to Galilee, Jesus Christ appeared to them and they had a very wonderful uh, 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 reconciliation. In verse 17, the disciples recognizes Jesus as it was the first time that they saw him. But some doubted. And because they doubted, some probably worshipped him not because they truly wanted to worship him. No, but probably they bowed down to him because others bowed down to him. This is about the first time where we read that Jesus mentioned something about an authority that was given to him. Of all the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples and the teachings and the healings, bringing people to life, Jesus never mentioned that issue of authority that much. If you go through the Gospels, he only talked about authority, probably giving uh, his disciples and his listeners authority to go out there and do this and do that. But in this particular encounter, Jesus clearly made them understood that all authorities in heaven and on earth is handed over to him. And that authority that was handed over to him, he is passing over to his disciples. Like the commander-in-chief of every country, when officers are commissioned, the commander-in-chief hand over that authority to these officers, so that they will go out there and do exploit on behalf of the country. That gives them authority to do things on behalf of the country, just like we send our ambassadors outside. And that is why today I want us to look at this topic, the Great Commission holding the rope. The Great Commission holding the rope. Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. That is, Jesus directly instructed his disciples that, all right, guys, you are done with the training. It is time to go out there and apply the knowledge and skills that you learned from me. No teacher, I truly believe we have professors here, no teacher that will want to, after teaching his student, will want the student to remain with him or her in the academic environment or in the same classroom, not actually teaching, but still a student. It is the desire and the excitement of every teacher to see that his or her students go out there and are making exploit. It is only a bad teacher that will never be happy that his student progresses outside. Jesus knew very confidently that his disciples will go out there and make exploits. However, Jesus knew again that sending these people to go out there and make exploit might be a little bit difficult. Difficult because he passed through the same difficulties while here on earth. In fact, his difficulty led him to be nailed on the cross and he died and buried. Jesus knew that there are difficulties in going out there make disciples and that was why towards the end of that verse in verse 20 jesus concluded the commission with these words: and surely i am with you always to the very end of age it truly means that there is nothing as christians as we go out there to make exploit that jesus is not in our midst little wonder when i hear people when i discuss with people about the difficulties that we face in northern nigeria and somebody will ask me, and how do you guys survive? And I say, we survive because Jesus is there in the midst of that crisis. There is nothing that ever happens that Jesus is not in the midst of the crisis. Listen, I know that probably when we are very comfortable, it tries to change our orientation, some kind of. It turns our orientation to believe that, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, people that come from areas where they have conflict that probably they cannot survive. I tell you that we survive. Because Jesus Christ is in the midst of that crisis, and he is the one that sees us through. Jesus told his disciples in that verse 20, that I will be with you till the end of ages. Meaning, of all the troubles that you will pass through in the course of discipling, of all the tribulations that you will pass through in the course of discipling, of all the disasters that you will meet, I am in the midst. I want to tell you this this morning, that no matter what trial you're passing through, no matter what pains you're passing through, no matter what difficulty you're passing through, have, always have this at the back of your mind, that Jesus is in the midst of that difficulty. There is nothing... And I repeat, nothing that is above Jesus' power. If anything is above Jesus' power, Jesus wouldn't have assured his disciples that all the authorities in heaven and on earth are handed over to me. Jesus knew that he has the authority and the power in his hand to take care of all the crises, of all the uh, disasters, of all the temptations that come towards us as his children. Even in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 we were given an account that when Jesus was about to leave his disciples, he charged them but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Brethren, I want to draw attention to something this morning. If our topic today is the Great Commission Holding the Rope It means that it is not necessary that you must commit yourself as to going out there as a missionary. No, you are a missionary within your environment. You are a missionary within your neighborhood. The way you interact with people matters. Listen, the footprints of Jesus, some people did not have an encounter with Jesus face-to-face during his time. No, they only heard about him. They heard about the miracles he performed. They heard about the wonderful things he did. Listen. When the Romans nailed Jesus Christ on the cross, their thought was they are done with this particular movement. They thought everything is done with this particular movement. However, when Jesus resurrected from the dead, even those who had no encounter with him when he was alive begin to have encounter with him after his resurrection. It means that Jesus' lifestyle changed these other people's orientation. There is a particular father here in this church that during one of our missions uh, gathering, he said something, and that thing stuck to my head. Or was it him or his wife that said something? Forgive me, I didn't take permission, but let me just share. Since I didn't mention name, I know he's not not going to be liable to me. The person said that any time they have a neighbor within their neighborhood, this particular gentleman will take baked cakes. Is it cupcakes or something that was baked, And he will cross over to the neighbors to welcome them. See, just that gesture alone point people to Christ because these neighbors will keep on asking us to why is this person doing this? And if you dig the story, at the end of the day, the person will come and now realize that, oh, it is because this person is a Christ follower. That is why he does what he is doing. Starting from Jerusalem, within our neighborhood, our places of work, the disciples started that within that particular area. Have you considered going for mission? Have you ever considered going for mission in your life? Responding to Jesus' commission. Don't beat yourself for not going. No, don't. Don't beat yourself. Because when Jesus Christ gave that commission, he knew that all of us would not go to this commission. No, he knew very well. However, he knew that all of us must take action. We must take action as two responding to this great commission. Our main responsibility as Christians is to take action and do good works that will advance God's kingdom. In everything that we do, our sole responsibility is to take action and see to either whatever we do, We are doing it to the glory of God, and we are doing it to win souls to Christ. Let me give you a story about myself. While serving in the military, I lost my younger brother. I'm sure I shared this testimony here during my first Sunday. I lost my younger brother in one of the religious conflicts in Nigeria. My brother was, my younger brother was slaughtered like a ram right in front of my mother by five youth from another faith. And they did that purposely because, according to them, that I was venturing into their faith, trying to bring reconciliation between the two religions. And so that is my punishment. And when it happened, the Christian youth within that community were there watching. They refused to interfere. Their response was, since his elder brother, Wants to bring peace between these two religions? Let him suffer it alone. Okay, I was called upon, and I came. You know, our in developing countries, when you wear uniform, when you have authority. You can do just whatever you feel like. I'm sure you've heard of dictators in places. So when I was called upon, the expectations of people within my community, the elders, to be very precise, was that, oh, I'm going to come with military men and we will embark into that particular community, the people that killed my younger brother, and we will burn down the community, raise it down, kill people, and... But when I came, I asked them, where is my younger brother's head? And they said, oh, the people that slaughtered took the head away as a trophy. And I said, oh, okay, that's good, no problem. Can we not go ahead and bury the, 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 body, the body? And I was so, no, 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 no. We can't bury this body without the head. And I said, for what reason? You, Christians' elders, taught me in Sunday school that on the resurrection day, that Jesus Christ will transform this body into another different body. So what do we need the head for? Let's go ahead and bury this young man. I don't have time. I have to go back to work. They insisted that we must stay behind, look for the head before we can bury them. I said, I do not have time. I have to go back to my duty post. Finally, we couldn't find the head, and we buried the body. The expectation from that other community, they keep on living with that fear, thinking that we will invade the community and raise down the community because this person that they killed has an elder brother who is a senior military officer. But I told the elders, and I said, I will never do such a thing. And why I will not do such a thing is because Jesus Christ never taught me that. Jesus Christ taught me, number one, to forgive, and then number two, to love. And through my actions, following by his footprints, that will win other people to Christ. Within this particular period, when I left, five, sorry, out of these five uh, youth, three came back to seek forgiveness. Forgiveness to reconcile with my family, which we did. We reconciled and we forgave them. One more came back later. We had to go back again, sat down, reconcile with the family and forgive them. And when we forgave them, this particular young kid said, because of this singular action that you've done to me, I am not leaving my fa- I'm not leaving this house. I will leave my family to stay with your mother. I will replace your brother in this family. And I told him, I said, listen, just... Go back. You're from a different faith. I don't want anybody to think that I forced conversion on you. And he said, No, I am a grown adult. I take the decision myself. He is today, as I speak, in our family. He converted to Christianity. He got married in my family. Listen, we did not open our mouth to tell him anything about Jesus Christ. All we did was through our actions. Church, the point I'm trying to stress here is, do not believe that you need to go out there as a missionary before you can win souls to Christ. No. Your actions within the community matters a lot. Your actions in your place of work matters a lot. Your actions with the person on the street matters a lot. I remember one day, we were driving with a Christian in the state of Connecticut, the first day that that I, I first came to, I regard Connecticut as my state because that was the first state that I stepped into when I came to the United States. So my host family were driving and I saw somebody with a banner uh, standing by the roadside where they write, I don't judge me, I have no food for my family and my children are all this English language. And so I told my host family, I said, we're coming from church. And I told my host family, I said, hey, I have, I think about $10 in my pocket. Can we give... This young man that was standing by the roadside, my host family turned to me and she said, No, don't give them. If you give them, you are encouraging them to be lazy. And I said, But you don't know the person's situation. Why did you condemn that person that the person is lazy? And she said, Well, there is no need giving them money. The more we give them money, the more they go on the street. Brethren, my point is, as Christians, God has given us the commission to go out there and spread the gospel and make disciples. The way we make disciples follows the footprints of our master. The way we make disciples is determined by the way we represent Christ to those other people out there. The question I want to leave you with is, as a Christian, what is your commitment to missions, in the church. As a Christian, here in First Baptist Church Emmers I so love this church. I feel elated anytime time I walk in on a Sunday and I see cards out there that the cards are going to missionaries. I feel so very happy. You don't know how much these cards mean to these missionaries in the field when they receive them. The small things that we don't value here means a lot to a missionary in the field. One time, when I was serving in a mission field in northern Nigeria, we had uh, an outbreak of cholera in that particular community. And it's a community that the fastest means of transportation is a bicycle going to that village from the main road. You need a bicycle to enable you to get there because you cannot use a motorbike or a car into that village. You need uh, a bicycle. And the fastest you can use a bicycle and move from the main road to the village is about three hours. So we had an outbreak of cholera. Our partner church didn't even know about the outbreak of the cholera in the community where I was serving. Rather, they heard about the outbreak of cholera within that particular area. So all they did was they just sent... um, Uh, cholera uh, uh, medications to us. So when the cholera medication came, I was about preparing to leave the next day to the city to enable me to purchase medications for cholera. All of a sudden, this this box arrived from our partner church. And when I opened it, because I'm not a medical personnel, so I had to call the dispensary, the, the dispensary, yes, uh, the person that is managing the dispensary in the village to come check what are these. And the person said, oh, this, this are ORT. This fits perfectly for the outbreak of cholera that we are having within this village. And I said, oh, praise God. God, you answered our prayers. Friends, when we administered that ORT within that particular period, and it solved the problem of that cholera, people were healed at the end of the day. I got an accolade because I was was called Jesus' doctor. Because I was the one that brought the medication that solved the problem. And so we use this medication to preach the gospel of Christ to these lost souls. Making them understand that, listen, this is how Jesus heals because he is the doctor. The action of this partner church helps us as missionaries in the field that we want more souls for Christ. I want to enjoin us. If you don't have it as part of your mission to contribute to the propagation of the word of God, to take care of the missionaries in the field, probably you do not understand what they go through because we sleep in the comfort of our apartments, of our houses. I tell you that these missionaries do not find it easy. They responded to the call of going out there to propagate the word of the Lord. It is our responsibility to take actions back home. In Mark chapter 16, from verse 19 to 20, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord walked with them and confirmed his word by the signs. accompanied them. I want to conclude this sermon with a story that I heard, or I thought I was told during my seminary days. It was between it was a conversation that took place between William Curry and Reverend Andrew Fuller. We were told that William Carey was preparing to go to India as a missionary and so Fuller was behind here in England to take care of how they're going to take care of the missionary that is going out there. William Carey now said, it's like I am going into the mining pit. Deep down into the mining pit. While you, Fuller, and the congregation that is standing behind here in the church, you are going to hold the rope as I go down the pit. And we are given an account, while I was studying it, that Fuller made this statement, and I quote, Before he went down, we engaged, that is we, the church, we engaged that while he lived, we will never let the rope go. Brethren, at First Baptist Church Amherst, I want us to believe, and I want to believe, that we are holding on to the rope and we will continue holding to the rope, the rope of that great commission, the rope that will help these missionaries that are out there to witness, disciple, and win souls for the kingdom. Listen, our reward is all going to be the same for those that went out and for us that hold the rope, true contribution for them to go out there. I pray that for those that are holding the rope, may God continue to enable you so that they, you hold the rope further. And for those that do not know the importance of holding the rope, I want you to understand this today. That it was your four parents that held the rope for somebody to go to Africa, Nigeria, to be very precise. Jefferson Bowen, a missionary to take the missions of Jesus Christ from the United States under the Southern Baptist Convention to Nigeria that led my parents to become Christians. And then I, they brought me up as a Christian, enabled me to be educated, gave me enough medical care, and you had the privilege of hearing from me. The more you hold the rope, it is the more that we win souls to Jesus Christ. I pray that God... We place that in our hearts. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about what we do here at FBC, please visit our website, fbcamherst.org. Also, consider subscribing to this podcast so you can get a notification when our weekly sermons are posted. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.